Hello and welcome to the Corner 3. We're posted up, spotted up, talking all things Dallas Mavericks basketball on and off the floor. My name is Bobby Corella. Joining me as always, the great Austin Ivan. Austin, how are you? I'm good. I will say the weather is kind of throwing me off like we had like 92 degrees earlier this week and now it's kind of cold and rainy but besides that there were people no in the pool like two days yeah, ago i know and in now it's yeah not fair were and you it, in the pool i was not the pool is very <laughs> dirty i would not go in there uh that is isaac harris isaac how are you handling the weather well i wasn't in the pool um but yeah the weather's just been weird because yeah. yeah it was like super hot then it was like cold and then it was cold this morning but the high today is like 80 and so we're Going I don't think, up. yeah, I don't think it's gonna get to eighty though, because yesterday it oh. said like high of seventy five and it didn't get like more than like fifty degrees. What did the groundhog say again? Like winter, spring's coming. I don't think groundhogs can speak, Isaac. <laughs> don't underestimate groundhogs. <laughs> <laughs> Something about I think winter's like a shorter winter, right? Yeah, I think that's what it's. Yeah. We can talk to whales now, so it's only a matter of time before Punxsutawney Phil can tell us what he really thinks. <laughs> I am really excited for that off-screen Katya. I can hear exactly what they say in the back. Pat and Chopper here with us in Studio 41 presented by Chime. We're talking all sorts of things today. We're going to talk about Mavs Raptors. We're going to talk about how to get over a really, really tough loss. And we are also going to hear Isaac list off some of his favorite duos in the league. And you will be shocked at who did and who didn't make the cut. I'm trying to really like... And it's, yeah... <laughs> That's like, a, y'all excited to talk? I just sports? threw this topic out as like, is Luca and Kyrie like one don't, of the best? Don't don't sandbag, <laughs> don't sandbag. Stand on your take. All right. So, uh, like I said, we will touch on Mavs Raptors here in a moment. But one thing that happened in that game was really dang cool. Uh, happy birthday, Luca! He turned twenty five years old on February twenty eighth. Y'all want to sing together? Not really. <laughs> you can take it away if you want. Uh, Luca dropped a 30-point triple-double. That is number 39 for his career, which is now the third most of all time already, believe it or not. He's only behind Oscar and Russ. Number 39 moved him past LeBron James for the third most in NBA history. Here's one more note about Luca turning 25. He is one of two players ever with at least 10,000 points, 3,000 rebounds, and 3,000 assists before turning 25, LeBron, of course, being the other. And only 115 players ever have done that, like, for their entire career, uh, even if they played until they're 60. So we can sit around all day, talk about how great Luka is. But, Isaac, I want to ask you, let's let's turn the clock back to whenever Luka was 18 or 19 years old. Mm. Maybe it's on draft night. Maybe it's the first time you saw him play. Maybe it's hollow Luka night against the Rockets. What were your wildest expectations for him? And how, because, of course, he has, has he exceeded them? Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you take a guy that high in the draft, and then you hope he's going to be an all-star, right? Like, you hope that um, he can be a cornerstone for your franchise moving forward. And, you know, when you talk to anybody around the Mavs heading into that draft, you knew they really liked him, and they really believed in what he could be in the league. Um, I, I didn't know what he was going to be. Like, I, I knew he's going to be good, and the ceiling was going to be really high. But there's just no way of – predicting like what he's already accomplished and I was thinking about it the other day I'm like bro he turned he turned just 25 one I was thinking about what I was doing when I was 25 but what were you doing in Dallas I guess yeah yeah I was in Dallas um anyway but for Luca I was like all the stuff that he's accomplished before he's his 25th birthday like not even just 
you know, you look at his, not even considering his you know, Euro career, but you look at his career so far in the NBA and the four first-team All-NBAs, which is just, I mean, when I think about what he's accomplished and accolades, like, that is, like, at the top for me. Like, you, you get a, a first-team All-NBA, that's, like, more than All-Star. But then you just keep on going, five-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year. He was, he's been top-five MVP voting two times. This is not including anything this year that's going to happen. He's already went to a conference finals. He's been to the playoffs, you know, uh, three times already. Then you think about stuff off the court, like he's already made over $70 million, you know, with his contract stuff. That's not including, you know, sponsorships and all that stuff. He already has a signature shoe with Jumpman. Like this stuff is just insane for a 25 year old. Been to the Olympics. I mean, this is yeah. non NBA stuff, but yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. Olympics. And I mean, there's just so much stuff, a 73 point game in the NBA that there's, I don't care how much of a Luca stand you were going into the draft. There's no way you could predict. I mean, how he started his NBA career is, I mean, I don't know who you can compare it to. I mean, I guess LeBron. I mean, that's like the closest one. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, he's exceeded everything. Austin, did you see a third team All NBA come? Like, what, what did, what did you think of Luca the first time you saw him and the first time you started really, you know, thinking about his game and what he can be? Yeah, I mean, how you're saying a 73 point game. I don't think I even probably thought he would get. 40 you know anytime soon like right away um it's just crazy I think I said it um before but from Oklahoma like I I was I knew a lot about Trey Young and so um when everything with that went down I was like I I didn't think Trey Young was going to be great and I didn't think that tread lightly <laughs> We're reigniting the I'm, rivalry. I know. I'm like, <laughs> um, this is who rivalry week was for. Trey was amazing at OU, though. Yeah, amazing. I know, but I just didn't think his game was going to translate to the NBA like it like it has. Mm-hmm. I think he's been great, and I I didn't expect that, but I didn't think Luca was going to be like that in that like same category as well, just like dominating already. Um, so yeah, I really had no expectations. I don't know. I kind of just had like an open mind, I guess, because. Um, had you seen or like how much had you seen? I hadn't seen any like okay. highlights or clips. Like I really wasn't following um, like draft and like g- coming into like getting ready for um, this draft class and like looking at different guys and prospects. So I really didn't know a, t- a ton about Luca. Um, but yeah, you watch the first couple games and right away you're like, okay, this guy is legit. Like this is crazy. And and how old is he? And but he's been a professional for how long? So um, you, I quickly learned that like he is special. He's gonna be the centerpiece of this Mavs franchise for the future um but yeah every game is just a su- he surprises you more and more and it was just like amazing to see like how quickly he developed into this player that he is the when you like if you want to look at some uh, a specific part of his game that you're like this is something that I just didn't see I didn't know how it was translated, and this is what has surprised me the most. Like the killer instinct, all this stuff. You're like, all right, that's gonna that's gonna translate. Like he's gonna take the the tough shots and all that stuff. It's the pace. Mm-hmm. It's the I didn't think like when you watch the clips and stuff, or when I was watching like pre draft stuff and all that. I'm like, there's just no way you're gonna be able to play at this pace at, at the NBA level with. And I just didn't. I'm like, how? And I think that's amazed me more than anything that. He has stepped into the league and made it look easy. Like I don't, I don't want to. Like it's not. Yeah. It makes people disappear, man. Yeah, yeah. and, and he, sometimes it just it the hard stuff of like just getting to the basket. That's like hard, 
but he just makes it mm-hmm. so look so effort. You know, there's like singers out there that like when they're singing and it's just like beautiful and you're like, you don't even look like you're trying. I don't, that's not fair whenever you're singing like that. He's kind of the same way. And I didn't see that coming at this level. Uh, great example of a great singer making it feel easy. Jacob Collier's version of Bridge Over Troubled Water. Tori Kelly's last verse. Oh, it is so good. Okay. <laughs> Let's rewind the clock back to 2018. It is exit interview day in the basement of the American Airlines Center. The Mavs have just capped off a 24 and 58 season, and uh, they That's are good. probably going to have a top pick in the draft. You know, maybe even the number one pick. Now, of course, they got very unlucky and moved down to number five. But I was talking to an old friend, Thomas Pletzinger. If you've read The Great Novitsky, you're familiar with his work. He's a German author, screenwriter. The dude is amazing. Just a, a, a great human being, obviously a big basketball fan as well. And so he's asking me what I think about this draft class. Everyone was talking about it that day. I was talking to Coop. Coop was like, you got to get Bagley or Aiton. You got to get more size. Got to get more size. Not to roast Coop yeah, or whatever, it's a, but like, that yeah, was conventional was wisdom. Say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, or get, you know, if you want like a wing, go get Michael Porter. The Mavs have Dennis. They don't need mm-hmm. another guard. That was kind of like the the idea at the time, you know. Um, and then little old nerdy me, uh, I had just started wearing contacts. So I wasn't wearing glasses anymore, but I was still like, no, you need Luca. Need Luca. Need to get Luca. I spent that entire season just like watching his Real Madrid games in complete disbelief. Like, I cannot even comprehend what I'm seeing right now. I hope nobody else in the world is watching this. Yeah. Like, do not tell anybody about Luca. Just don't do it. I don't want to tell uh, Tim McMahon and ESPN, like, hey, dude, this guy in Real Madrid is killing it. Because then Tim is going to go talk to Grizzly Scouts. He's going to go talk to whatever. Like, I don't want to tell anybody what I'm seeing. Like, I'm going to keep it to myself. Because you were the only one that seen him. I was the only one. You are like, trying to delete every film you footage of oh, yeah. him. So I'm, no like, one. hacking into Synergy, <laughs> like, taking it down, you know. Um, and so I'm telling Thomas about him at, at X interview day. Like, Luca is the guy. That's the guy that they need to get. I don't care about size. I don't care about anything. Get Luca. He's like, well, what, what do you think he'll be? And I said, well, I think, I mean, maybe like he's kind of like Manu Ginobili. Like maybe he's not your lead guard, but he can be this off guard who's really good and can shoot and he can drive and he can score from anywhere. And he's obviously a great playmaker. He can get a bunch of rebounds. He hits big shots. And I'm just like telling him all these great things. And then he's like, and you think it'll only be Manu? And I was like, well, yeah, averaging 20 points is like, that's really good. And he's like, well, if he can do everything you're saying, he's going to average 30 points a game. And I was like, don't be ridiculous, Thomas. No one averages 30 points a game. And then here we are. Now he's averaging almost 35 per game. So um, career average 29, 8, and 8. Yeah, you know, which is his career average is one of the highest of all time, right? It's like oh. MJ, Wilt, and then him, I'm pretty sure. Is he him? <laughs> I guess that's maybe that's for next week's episode. <laughs> but like I was super high on Luca, and I thought – and Manu Ginobili is a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best players ever. But like, I was like, man, if he could be Manu, that would be incredible. And Luca's, you know, we're talking about LeBron James and Michael Jordan. We're not talking about Manu Ginobili. You know, uh, his own coach is saying he's better than Dirk. He is LeBron. He is MJ. <laughs> like, that is, you know, this is big stuff, man. It's big stuff. Uh, what do, What do you think Luca will accomplish before turning thirty, Austin? I I don't even know. Like I I couldn't even guess because I feel like anything I guess is gonna just be easy for him. Like honestly, like anything that he wants to do, I truly believe he could accomplish. You think he'll average forty a game? <laughs> I think he could. 
I don't think he will having a team like the Mavs do um, and the player that is that he is where he loves to pass it so much, but he absolutely could. If that was his mindset one season and that was the team, yes, but I don't think he I don't think that's going to happen just because he loves to pass it so much. Isaac, what is the what is like the standard to wow you between now and then? Is it like I mean, cuz at this point we're talking like MVPs, championships. Yeah. Like that's kind of it. Yeah. I mean, he's got to get the ring. I mean, that's the that's what that's the ultimate thing. That's why we're you know, they play this game. So I think for him, a ring more than I mean, he's gonna he's gonna win MVP. Uh, might win it this year. I don't know. Um, he'll win an MVP or two. You know, I don't know how many, but it's the ring. I mean, the ring's gotta gotta come. And I, I think what's unique about Luca, we're like thinking about like the longevity of his career of like, oh, what he what can he accomplish? It's gonna just kind of matter up like what he wants, like. You know, he's joked different times when being compared to LeBron, he's like, ah, I'm not going to play that long. <laughs> you know, like, does he, and I don't, I don't mean this in any way, but like, does he care enough to, you know, hit some of these like long accolades and like records and all this stuff? Will he play long enough in the NBA to hit all of these things? I don't know. Like, Luca could be a type where he wins a couple rings, a couple MVPs, and, you know, he's 34 and he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to go. It's still 15 home? seasons. That's a lot. That's a lot of basketball. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I, did, I didn't want to say like 31 and everybody like freak out. But like, <laughs> but like, would you? I mean, would you be shocked? I, I don't. Because he turned pro. Like he was playing Euroleague basketball at 16. Like yeah. he's been doing this for a long time. And you think about the money aspect too. Of like, I mean, he's under this massive contract right now, making what 40 million dollars this year. This next contract that he's going to be a, you know. <laughs> eligible to sign gonna start with a three at minimum yeah i mean what some of the last years of that deal is gonna be at 80 million a year i think so i mean this is just absolutely insane for what he'd be eligible to sign so it's just a matter of like how long luca wants to play in the nba and accomplish these things because as long as he plays he's going to be one of the best players in the league, and he's just going to rack up these accomplishments. I'm with Austin. I don't think there's a, a season where he averages 40 a game and all that because I don't think he wants to do that. I mean, I, and if he's averaging 40, then that means the team's probably not as good. Yeah. <laughs> and this dude wants to win, and he wants to win you know, rings. He, a uh, little bit about his scoring, he scored his 10,000th career point on Christmas night. He's like three games away from getting to 11,000. <laughs> like two months ago yeah christmas was like just the other day yeah yeah so now could i see him like hitting like higher than 73 in a game or something like that yes i could see some of these you like you think so yeah you think he can do it yeah. in his in his career i'd put money down right now he scores he'll have like an 80 point game yeah Ooh. i think he's one of the few players in the league that could do that but you got to be able to hit like 10 or 15 threes or something. I mean, you got to just do yeah. something he can. stupendous. You mm -hmm. know? Wow. Good Lord. Well, we'll find out. The corner three <laughs> in March 1st, 2029 or something. We'll be talking about 30-year-old Luca. Uh, all three of us right here in Studio 41. Okay. P.J. Washington also had a standout game against the Raptors. After kind of a – he had that potential game-winning dunk against the Cavs, but his shooting numbers of the last few games had, had really – kind of taking a nosedive. And then all of a sudden you look up in the first quarter, he's got like a dozen points right out of the gate. He ends with 23 points on 9 of 16 shooting, 5 of 10 from 3, 6 rebounds, 3 blocks, more really, really good defense. Um, the scoring, Austin, finally kind of catching up to the level of defense that he's been playing since being in Dallas. But why was it, why was it so important? Because it really felt like they were 
feeding him early? Like, why was it important for them to get him going? Yeah, we've heard Kid talk about how they want a consistent third score, and they believe that it can be P.J. Um, in that game, you could just really tell that they put an emphasis on getting him involved and engaged right away in the game plan. A lot of a lot of teams do that. You know, you have your first four or five, like, possessions, like kind of your play set of what you're going to go to, what you're trying to get a look of what and by who. Um, and you felt like that the Mavs came out and they – you know, made it a point that we're going to try to get PJ the ball, get him some open looks, get him going early. Um, I think he had like 13 of the Mavs' first 25 points. So, yeah, they got him some looks. He he made them. They were falling. Um, he's been really consistent with his defense. But that game, um, he just showed what he can do on offense um, and got some, got some good looks early. Um, Luca was, you know, passing the ball. The one thing I want to say about Luca on his birthday, I thought it would be really cool which it's kind of unrealistic, but I was like, for his birthday, he's going to give every player an assist. Like, Ooh. that's what I wanted. Like, that's, him, a, that's a nice. Yeah, nice. I was like, he that's his goal, or that's what his goal should be for that game. Like, on, on my birthday, every player I play with, I'm giving them an assist. But that was, like, the mindset, I feel like, that Luca had, you know, trying to get P.J. involved right away. And, um, yeah, P.J. knocked down, what, five, five threes in that game. I think he's only made, you know, had only made five in his first six games with the Mavs. Um, so shot over 50% from three and yeah, was, was solid on defense, but the offense was coming along. If you're the, the game playing early, mm-hmm. especially if you're not the guy, right. like oftentimes we see Kyrie scored 15 points the first quarter, Luke will come out banging a few threes. But if you're one of the other guys yeah. and you're the focal point early and you see your first couple shots go in, yeah. like what does that do for your confidence? That's huge. Yeah. Your, men- your mentality changes. You have that confidence, but you also start to relax a little bit more. Um, and a guy like Luca, where he can go and create his own shot at any time, it's different compared to a guy like PJ when, you know, someone's passing him the ball and he's knocking down shots because it's, it's more pressure, you know, when someone's passing it to you and like you, you want to give Luca the assist or like you want to help the team by making the outside shot. Um, and so it's it just huge. Like you, you play with a sense of relief and just calmness about you, um, when you go out and make your first shots and you just get in like that zone where you, you truly believe every shot's going in. Isaac, I don't think he's going to shoot maybe 50% for the rest of the season, <laughs> but he can definitely be like a mid to high 30s. He has been throughout his, you know, at different points in his career. If he can shoot it like that consistently for this team, what does it do for not only his role, but also just the offense as a whole? Huge because, you know, PJ's always going to play. I think we talked about this when with the Gafford and PJ trades that, you know, Gafford, if we're just comparing the two trades, Gafford got a lot of love early on. Fans are super excited. And it's like, PJ is actually going to be more important to this team long term because you even seen against the Cavs, you know, in the Cavs game, kind of the game plan, how the game was going. Like Maxi played more than you know Gafford did. Gafford only played what seven or eight minutes. PJ is going to play at least thirty minutes a game, you know, in every lineup. We're we're going to talk about the closing lineups and stuff. PJ is has to be that. Um, so it's going to be huge of finding that, you know, to Austin's point, finding that third score. I love how they started off the Toronto game. I love how Luca started off the Toronto game. Luca had six assists in, you know, the first quarter, only had six points. But it kind of shows you going back to LeBron. LeBron used to do this back, you know, he used to talk about a lot in the Cleveland days to where he would just start off the game knowing that. And honestly, um, I, you know, I think Booker did that uh, in one of the last um, Mavs games, not the one after the All Star break, but. To where he started off and was like, hey, let's try to get these other guys going, knowing that I can turn it on at any point. I can turn it on the second half or whenever, you know, let me try to get these other guys. And Luca just having six points, but having the six assists 
and making a point to get PJ Washington going early on. I think it shows some maturity by him and just like him, like, hey, I know I can get mine. So, yeah. And if they, if those other guys can hit shots, it also signals to the defense, like, hey, you better, better start like guarding those guys. Yeah. You can't double team me. And, yeah. You know? And it's the spacing too. You know, them, you know, Maxi and Tim playing a lot in the Cleveland game. I know a lot of fans are getting frustrated with some of the, you know, the rotation stuff, but. It, it's so much spacing. Mm-hmm. It's like people have to respect Tim and Maxie out there shooting a three. And if PJ can continue building on that, then he's not going to be one they leave open all the time. So about those lineups, about that rotation, Dante Exum came back against the Cavs, dished out five assists, thought he looked pretty solid, all things considered. It was his first game in a while. All of a sudden you wake up and the Mavs are like, they're kind of healthy now. I don't think anybody is listed as out. Other, other than uh, two-way players, A.J. Lawson, Brandon Williams, and I believe maybe Omax are on assignment with the Legends, or maybe Omax is still with the team. I don't know, but at any rate, uh, all the rotation guys are available against the Celtics, which is really cool until you start thinking that means that <laughs> not everyone can get minutes. Yeah. So I want to hear from you all. Isaac, let's start with you. Who are maybe some of the players or some of the positions, some of the slots in the rotation that are kind of up for grabs? Like who's battling for minutes right now? What is the what does this rotation look like now that everyone is available? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, so much of it's matchup dependent. You know, you see that Cleveland game to where Maxi plays a lot more minutes than Daniel Gafford. There's gonna be games where like, oh, this is a Maxi game. This is a Gafford game. I think Lively's, you know, going to hold that starting spot, play a lot of minutes. You want him, you know, continue to develop in that. I, it's that, it's those other wing spots on the bench that, is it matchup dependent? Are they going to try to land on a, an exact rotation to where it's kind of like these, like, one-off battles? Are you going to see Dante Exum or Jaden Hardy? Are you going to see Tim Hardaway Jr. or Derek Jones Jr.? Um, you know, is Josh in that, you know, conversation and all of that. So I, I think that's where it gets, it's a good problem to have. Um, but yeah, I think that's where it gets more tricky and less predictive, I guess, of like, all right, who's going to play more of this game between Dante Exum or Jaden Hardy or something like that. Some of it kind of depend on game flow too. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's, it's a good problem to have, like as a fan, you're like, if you're a really big, you know, Gafford fan, you're like, Oh, I want to see more of him. I want to see more of him. But Having that depth for a playoff push is so important, but also just every day and and they're not practicing as much now that, you know, they're at this part of the season, but just every day knowing that like you have someone else that can go take your minutes if you don't play your best, like it pushes you individually to go out and and play like your best game or else you know that Jaden Hardy is going to come in and he's going to do something and then you might lose minutes because of it. So um, it, it's important to have that depth. It's it's definitely a good problem. Um, yeah, and it, it totally depends on the game, who's hot in a certain you know setting and situation with with lineups and everything. Um, but that's that's why you have that depth because you you're able to mold depending on what defenses are throwing at you or, or who's playing well each game. I guess ideally now that Dante's back, his minutes maybe don't even cut into other people's minutes. Maybe his minutes is cut into Luca and Kyrie's minutes so that those guys don't have to play 42 minutes a night, yeah. you know, because um, preserving them down the stretch mm-hmm. is obviously the most important thing uh, for this team. Of course, getting in the top six probably trumps that, but you want to know how you get into the top six by keeping Luca and Kyrie healthy and fresh. <laughs> yeah. um, what about their closing lineup? So I feel like the starting lineup is kind of solidified. If the Mavs are healthy, it's Luca, Kyrie, Josh, PJ, Lively. Almost for sure. 
right? Unless there's some really weird matchup that demands you do something else. But what about if the Mavs are up three points with three minutes left? What lineup are they rolling out there, Austin, to win the game? I Yeah, I think if you're up and you want solid defense, you stay with that lineup. You have P.J. out there, um, Derek Lively out there, two of your best defenders. Um, Luke and Kyrie are not going to come off the court, and then Josh Green has showed that he has that versatility and a, a big wingspan and can play defense as well. So I think you're going you're going to stay with that. Um, we've seen Maxi in there at times, and if you're down and, and you want to stretch the floor and, and you need a three, but he can also defend, like he's a good option. Um, so it it really just depends, but I would I would say in that situation you go with your starting lineup. Isaac, do you agree? Yeah, I think I think we'll see a lot of Maxi at the five uh, in place of Lively in tight games like that. <clears throat> um, as long as I mean you're talking about preserving Kyrie and Luca, preserving Maxi's health, you mm-hmm. know for the you know the stretch is is huge on that. I could see some scenarios in which you know Derek Jones Jr. plays over Josh Green. Uh, just because I think Jones is probably the better like point of attack defender and that a little bit longer. Um, but I, I think Josh playing good basketball. I think Josh is probably right now going to be you know closing some of these games. I think it just comes down to Lively and Maxi, and I could see I could see them going with Maxi more than Lively, you know, in the final stretch. There's also some circumstantial stuff. So like this Cleveland game, we're about to unfortunately talk about that a little bit, but in that game. Josh goes up for the dunk, gets hung on the rim, tweaks his elbow. He has to go to the locker room, and he's out for like seven or eight minutes or something. So Tim comes in to replace Josh. Maybe he was already on the floor or whatever. And then the Mavs go on this big run to go up 10 with Luca, Kyrie, and Tim all in the game. And it's like, okay, now you're up 10. Maybe you want to defend this lead. Josh is still out. So do you bring in Jones for Tim to have a defensive presence out there, or do you stay with the guys that got you there? It's one of those things like – yeah. Coaches usually reward the guys that go on a big run, even if your stars are on the bench. Let's keep these guys out here. Let's keep this going. It's like a conventional wisdom thing, and, you know. And it, you know, it's not even a reward, but it's just like you don't want to disrupt the flow mm. type thing. Like you know, it's just how they're playing. You're in a rhythm. You just leave it how it is. I would say. And it might you know determine too, like how the other team is like playing Kyrie and Luca. If you know they're trapping them as soon as they come across half court, or they bring in a hard double on Luca then you might want a better shooter out there in like a Tim over a Derek Jones Jr. or something like that. I don't I don't know. I'm just saying um, how the other team is defending could you know, impact your lineup. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, man. It's very tricky. I don't think it's ever as like it's just as simple as like, okay, we're up five. Let's go to the defense lineup. Yeah. You know, there, there's so much of like game flow matters so much too. Yeah. And, and I don't think this is a roster that you're looking at it right now saying this is what we're closing with every game. It's just not how the it's not how it's constructed, you know. To where you look at a team like Phoenix, I'm trying to think of a team more like Denver, Den- Denver, yeah. yeah. That you're like, yeah. No matter who we're playing, this is probably this is our closing lineup right here. Mm. Okay, the Mavs played the Cavs, and the game ended, and the Cavs had more points than the Mavs. Whatever. Wasn't the case until the buzzer sounded, and uh, how hyped did you did y'all get for like? I don't know, like two seconds. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. It went from, man, what a great win. Holy cow. <laughs> PJ was hyped too. Yeah, to like, <laughs> I don't really I don't really think basketball's for me anymore. <laughs> I think I'm just going <laughs> to find a new hobby. Uh, okay, Austin, for those who don't know, uh, Austin, you played D1 basketball. High level high school player. Like, you're a good basketball player. 
Okay, you have a uh, you have quite a history in the sport. Now you've never played in an NBA game, and you've never been Max Struest, no. but you've gone through some tough losses, just like you've gone through some triumphant wins. And uh, something that came up on the broadcast during the Raptors game was Falwell and Hart both being just really impressed. Like the Mavs are just able to put it behind them and move on and focus on this game and win this game and kind of leave what happened in the past in the past. Is it that easy? Like, how do you move on from a tough loss as a player, or do you? Do you just kind of compartmentalize it? What's the, what happens? It depends. Every player's different with, you know, how you handle games like that. I would say there's a group that really wants to go back and watch the film and see, you know, what you can do differently. And then there's a group that's like, you don't even think about it. You're ready to play the next game and you don't talk about it again. So um, there's a balance. Each player handles it differently. Each coaching staff is going to approach it differently as well. Um, but I, I think for the Mavs, it was like best case scenario that they got to play again so quickly just to like completely flush it out of their system. How have you managed to to move past or have you managed to move past tough losses that you've experienced as a player? I would say my my toughest loss was high school senior year, um, a chance to go to state. We're up by mm. two points with like less than five seconds. Oh, we no. we have we did get Max Struess. We have the ball. Oh. No, listen, yeah, we have the ball. All we have to do is throw the ball in bounds, and they're gonna foul. We're already up. Like, and if they don't foul, we win. And just chunk it towards the other end of the floor, like as far away from this opponent's basket and we throw it in bounds like right underneath their basket they steal it they go up make it and we foul them oh no three-point play and they win i mean it was just gut punch like heartbreaking it is in your it's literally in your hands yes absolutely like destiny like is yeah we're going to state we've never been to state my senior year like everything was like trending in that way and like yeah it was it was heartbreaking for sure so a loss like that where, you know, pretty much everyone on the team, like that was their last basketball game ever. Like that is tough. Like how oh, do you yeah. handle that? Like yeah, I mean, you don't have a there's no. always next game. Yeah. Like basketball, like, you know, like when your season's over, like every every team is ending with the loss, like to end their season. Um, like football, like a lot of teams, you know, like bowl games, like their last game could be a win. But basketball, yeah, like your last game is a loss, like unless you win at all. So that's like a loss I will never forget. Like that feeling, like I didn't want to come out of the locker room. I did not want to talk to anyone after. Um, it sounds like those memories are like fuzzy. You can't really. No, yeah, I know. <laughs> Seriously, and that was how many years ago. Um, so yeah, the Mavs a completely different situation for them. Like in the middle of the season, it was tough because of how it happened, but also in the same way, like that's like you just got to give credit to max like that's a shot that's not gonna like you you couldn't it's like a once in a you couldn't do shot, anything you know? differently really like you you know like there's there's not much more you could do in that situation so for the Mavs you're like it is what it is like that's just that's how it happened but now he gets played in the next day I mean when he had a shot to win the game that is so tough and so improbable to make that most guys intentionally don't take them at the end of quarters because they don't want to hurt their averages. Right. Like, you know you got got. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I don't even want to... I'm totally over it, though. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Isaac, as a as a fan of sports, as a fan of anything, as a thinker, as an analyst, as a podcast host, whatever, how do you get over stuff? 
as a thinker. That's the best word out of <laughs> all of that. As a thinker, thinker in this league. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to sit in silence, all right? I just, yeah. I can't talk to anybody. You know, like somebody, you know, I'm a huge Ravens fan, and that Chiefs, you know, game. Um, like somebody texted me at the end of that game, like, hey, man, the Ravens are struggling. Cool. Don't ever text me again. Like I'm, I want to block you now. I don't ever speak to me ever again. And, and so it's like, I just can't talk to anybody. And like my wife knows it. I just tough losses. I used to, um, over the years, I feels like sports, like I have to be like more selective with time to where now it's just like NBA and NFL. But like, I used to be really into baseball and then really into college basketball too. And so I'm not as much in college now, but I grew up huge Tar Heel fan. And so the Chris Jenkins shot in the in the national championship game from Villanova, mm, I mean, yeah. a buzzer shot to win. And that's the, after Marcus Page hits that heroic, like. Yeah, the double clutch. Yeah. just And this Villanova team has Brunson, Mikael Bridges, you know, these Josh Hart. Um, I mean, I. I don't think I talked or anything like my wife has this like video of me just like sitting in the floor, just like laying down on the floor and I just didn't move for a long time. So that's me. I, I'm not like a thrower. I'm not like a, I just don't want to talk to anybody. Just let me sit in silence for a while. Is it like, then you go to bed, you wake up and you're fine or are you? No, no, I'm thinking about it. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm going to think about it and yeah. yeah. Austin, it what takes, about it takes a, a while to process. This isn't fun to talk about. Yeah. I think it's I think it's interesting though. But everybody, some people grieve diff- this is like yeah. grieving. So some people grieve by like they have to talk it out. Some people are like, I don't want to talk about it, and like bringing it up again like brings up the emotions again. Yeah, so. Better help now, uh. <laughs> now that you're on the other side of it though. It, do you do you experience it differently? Whether it's a team or whatever. Like we all have our faves of anything. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just different completely. Like when you're in the game and you can do something about it, versus when you're a fan and it's your favorite team you grew up watching them or whatnot but it's it's completely it's it's a I don't know it's a different mindset that you have knowing like you kind of just have to like keep telling yourself like I have no way I can impact the outcome of this game so like as much as I love this team or like I want them to win like it is out of my control that's so a great, that's a great mindset that is <laughs> extremely powerful so. <laughs> no. that is very very powerful Bobby's like can I just print He's this like, out and put them? <laughs> yeah, Bobby. Yeah. How how did you the span? What were you, what were you like? What were you by yourself watching this game? Like, uh, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was by myself. And like when it went mel- in, I was melting. Just, like what happened? No, not melting. I mean, like I get fired up every now. Isaac sits next to me at the in the press box all the time. I get a little. Oh, what are you doing? Or like, oh, that was a great shot. Whatever. Like I get a little fired up sometimes. Um, but a shot like that is so. I know. Yeah. So Hollywood, it's just like, eh, yeah. Mean, it's like, what do you even do? Like, you can't even get mad about right, it. Right. Exactly. What I would have been really annoyed by, I guess, is let's say the Mavs do just like sell out to press and then Struess or whoever the inbounder is just heaves it down court and it's like Donovan Mitchell catches it. No one's really near him and he turns around and hits a three yeah. and it's like, oh my God. Or they God. fouled him. Right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They foul him and you give him the chance to make three free throws and win the game. Yeah, yeah. that's completely different. Because there's a difference between like that. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. like heartbreak and like sadness and then we're really going in emotions here. But and or there's, there's like, an emotional wheel. All yeah, right? yeah, there is. Uh, or there's like, hey, I'm pissed off. Like, I think there's so, OK, for Mavs history, that span of 2006 to 2007. Complete despair. Like 
what did you how did you handle like 2006 finals the most pissed off i've been in in like watching nba i cried after game six <laughs> 2007 i was just like sad just like am i really gonna watch this like first, yeah, and first and round and dirk wins mvp and like yeah. everybody's taking the shots like all that stuff Bobby's going to a dark place right now. No, I'm I'm going to a great place. <laughs> in 07, I was like, yeah, I'm just not going to – I don't really care about basketball anymore. <laughs> like, I just don't really – this isn't for me. Yeah. And obviously, I lied to myself, you know. Yeah. Uh, Still here. But it was kind of like that, too, after game four, the Brandon Roy game in the 2011 playoffs. The Mavs oh. are up 20 or whatever, and they're just crushing the Blazers. They're going to win this thing in five. And then Brandon Roy happens. And I'm like, yeah, this is just – this is just not like a thing that I want to spend my time on. And of course they, so I guess the, the moral of the story is every time you reach just peak despair, something really good happens right after, you know, you just I'm not, gonna not always, but <laughs> no, every single time. I mean, every that's not a promise, time. but <laughs> <laughs> recently that, that first Clippers series or not the first series out, out of the bubble. Um, feels like we've played them a million times. Game seven. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, just that, that series of, Winning those two in L.A. and that, you know, how the game three started at home in Dallas. It's one of my favorite basketball memories. Oh, my gosh. And just, like, I will never, like, I just sat with Charks that whole series. And I was just like, it just, we didn't know what to, like, say. And, like, it's like, are we really watching this happen? And then when that shifted and then we lost that se- like, that's probably a, a if we're trying to say a recent one that I was so mad and like affected by, but that one was, uh, it was very frustrating and sad game six. They were, the Mavs were winning or only down one or whatever in the fourth quarter. And they probably should have won the game and they didn't. And that was really, that was pretty frustrating. Um, but that one, you could kind of tell like this, things are about to be a lot different after this. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. It was almost like, uh, it felt like a turning of the page after game seven of that series, it didn't really feel like a devastation to me. It just felt like a things are about to get different, you know, foreshadowing of the future. Yeah. And they did. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Every, everybody handles it differently. The whole point of the NBA season is that you're just uh, you're just traveling along and you want to avoid turbulence. You don't want to get too high. Don't want to get too low. Sometimes it's really tough not to, you know, especially on the heels of a seven game win streak, but streaks were made to end and streaks were made to begin. And the Mavs have won their most recent one game. They play the Celtics tonight. That's gonna be a tough one, a really, really tough one. And then it's uh, it's some some home games finally uh, next week. Okay, this game against the Celtics, it's a battle of the duos. You got Luca and Kyrie, one of the, if not maybe the best duo in the NBA, going up against Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Who, if Luca and Kyrie aren't number one, then man, do they have a claim? Do they have a claim for that spot? So Isaac, I want to hear from you, man. What's the deal with all these duos? No, I mean, I, I think over the past week, seeing Kyrie and Luka both healthy right now and playing at this level of basketball, um, you know, you see that obviously the Cavs game was heartbreak ending, but the level that they're playing at in that game, you see Kyrie score 15 in the fourth and that Toronto game, just some of the stuff that Kyrie's pulling off. I mean, I feel like we're always talking about in the press box, like, dude, he's just so much fun to watch. <laughs> some of these moves. And then Luka, we've kind of got accustomed to it. It's insane. But seeing them both play at this like super high level, 
you know, you see all the graphics, all the stuff thrown around on social media. And it's like, oh, man, are they the best duo? And this is, you know, how many points they combined for tonight. And so when you think about it across the league and it feels like we've kind of shifted, I don't want to say back or shifted more into a like duo era instead of there was that stretch there where everybody's trying to form their like big three. And, you know, some of it's, you know, salary cap stuff and how much money you can spend. Like, hey, is it better to spread, you know, the money out for the rest of the roster instead of having a big three? You do it like a big two type of thing. But you look at Kyrie and Luca, they average around 60 points a game together. Um, the Which other mind boggling, by the way. Yeah, it's insane. 60 points per game. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is insane. So then you're like, all right, well, who's the other? If it's not Kyrie and Luca, at 60 points a game, is it points per game? That is how you would rank or try to, you know, uh, yeah, of like who's the best duo in the league? Or is it playoff success? That's why I like Jokic and Murray are one of my favorite duos to watch because they've done it at a high level. They've won a ring together. They have this chemistry of how they play off each other. They bring out the strengths of each other. I just love watching that duo together. Uh, but yeah, this Boston, you know, game you play going against Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Um, I think when you, you know, what Milwaukee did of going out and saying, Hey, did they look at the duo culture and say, we're going to create our own duo, even though you had a drew holiday, who's amazing, help you win a ring and all of this stuff. It's like, can, can we, should we upgrade to having an official duo of Damian Lillard and Giannis and they're averaging 56 points a game. And they can kind of play off each other in ways that Drew and Giannis couldn't really, or Giannis yeah. and Middleton couldn't really. Like, there's some pick and roll stuff. With the them. pick and roll stuff of Giannis and Dame is like, okay, I mean, this is kind of unfair yeah. uh, when you look at that. Uh, and then, you know, you know, for Phoenix, they theoretically built this big three, but, like, Bill hasn't played a ton. So you have, you know, KD and Booker that are right, at, right there at 56 a game, too. Uh, I didn't even mention a Joel Embiid and you know Tyre, Tyrese Maxey who's at like I think 61 points per game, but Embiid's missed you know a ton of games there. So, um, is the duo thing has it always been there, or is it? It feels just more like prominent now. Is that not true or true? I would say there's like certain there's just a group of like elite players now that like have really like you know these are superstars. And it, yeah, it just feels like every team or most teams like have like two superstars. Like the, the teams that are having success have those two, like one, two punches. So um, yeah, like you said, like there was, you know, three headed monsters and whatnot. But um, I, I think, yeah, having a one, two punch and then like your role players knowing their roles and being able to play off them, like that's the recipe for success. Yeah. I think the, like maybe in the era where we're growing up, Right. So like the late 90s into the mid thousands and, and really before, I guess, 2010, when uh, the, the heat happened. Um, a lot of the duos were like playing off of each other, you know, like some of the best ones. OK, let's start with Dirk and Jet. They operated in the pick and roll, maybe not to the same level as Jokic and Murray, but certainly close. Like they won a championship. Yeah. Um, Nash and Amare were playing off each other. Like Kobe and Pow, Kobe and Shaq weren't necessarily playing off each other, but they were playing in the triangle. So there's a lot of like movement and kind of like incorporating their skill sets together. Um, and there's others too that I'm probably missing. Uh, you know, but like now, Luca and Kyrie don't really screen for each other all that much. It it is sort of a take turn kind of thing. I mean, they pass it to each other, obviously, but like Tatum and Brown, much more isolation focused. Mm -hmm. um, 
you can't say the same thing, obviously, about Jokic and Murray and maybe Giannis and Dame, but like you certainly could about Katie and Booker uh, and like Franz and uh, Paolo, one yeah. of your other favorite ones down in Orlando. Like it feels like now the the duos is like two guys that can either get their own or sometimes play off each other. Yeah. Whereas before salary cap is lower and skill sets were different, rules were different. It kind of was like if we have this one really, really good guy, who can we find that can perfectly complement that other that really really good guy and they can like combine to make sweet sweet music mm-hmm. you know so i think it is like kind of different yeah it is different and it when you look at it from dallas's perspective of this of yeah i mean i think luca and Kyrie are one of the best duos in the league uh, i think if you had to do the rankings and stuff i'd put them in a in top five of that entertainment value probably number one. Oh right? yeah like, like pure entertainment for sure and, and you know it it's just there's there's so many nights where I'm like watching a watching Kyrie do his thing now to where you know with Kyrie back fully healthy, and you're like, dang, that's our second option. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like you know, it's what you know. Also uh, said you know last week of the whole the tweet she saw online about you know Batman and Superman, Superman. and, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. all of that and the Avengers. Um, <laughs> it's DC. Comment section lit up about that one too. Do they really? Yeah. About Austin saying A lot Marvel. of people take an Isaac's side. A lot of people don't understand how we don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not a All these I was there with movie you too. person. Yeah. There's a reason why Austin talked about missing the state title. And, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, if it's yeah. like reality. I'll, Nerd I'll, over here. <laughs> or if it's reality TV, I got that. But We can talk about Love is Blind on here. Superhero movies. We can just kick Bobby out and talk yeah. about That's the, fine. the Bachelor and Love is Blind. That's, but, That's all end. Um <laughs> But no, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, we didn't mention like Fox and Sabonis. Like, it, it feels they play like, off each other a lot. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it feels like there's so many different um, types of duos in the league that it's just fascinating to see dif- different roster construction. Like you said, they're going against Tatum and Jalen Brown tonight. Those guys are more, I get their own shot. They don't, they're not setting the whole, you know, they're not Ryokic and Murray. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it should be a lot of fun. Kyrie returning to Boston again, which you know, all that. I did think it was a uh, random note. I thought it was really cool the whole Kyrie Cleveland, um, them honoring him for you know helping with the ring and uh, him showing a lot of love for that. A lot of fans there showing a lot of love for Kyrie and stuff. It was, it was just really cool. You didn't mention LeBron AD duo. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm. No. Did yeah. you skip over? Did you skip over that one? <laughs> well, I was trying to think of people still in their prime. Ooh, uh, wow. <laughs> but yeah, LeBron AD. Um, uh, LeBron led a big yeah. comeback against the Clippers the other day. It's most unfortunate in the standings. It would be yeah. really sweet if the teams beneath the maps would like show intention. LeBron's still there. having yeah. that in his back pocket that he's like, all right, I guess I'm going to pull this I'm card out tonight. This, yeah. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Like... <laughs> it was truly unbelievable. And then, of course, last night the Warriors go to New York and beat the Knicks on their home floor. So uh, if you did point, if we just do points per game, like Brunson and Randall are up there too. Um, you obviously have the Clippers guys, but it's like who's the second, you know, person that is it? I don't know. Hard points per game like a, isn't up there, but that's a big three for sure, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, although Harden's scoring is taking a step back, but he can still get thirty anytime he wants. Yeah. yeah, you know. Well, something to think about. Who are some of your favorite duos? Grant and Bertans. Drop a comment below and let us know. Of course, Luke and Kyrie is probably number one. Who's your second favorite duo? And if Luke and Kyrie aren't your number one, then what's wrong with you? Let us know in the comments below. Uh, all right. Any any final words? Any parting shots before we get out of here? 
It's I feel like it's an exciting time. It was a bummer loss against the Cavs. Great bounce back though. It's gonna be a tough game tonight, but then they get to come home for three three games against the Eastern Conference teams. Like it's ramping up. Like this is exciting. I I think this is um I know you love talking about MVP stuff. <laughs> With Luca, I need you to love MVP stuff so me and you can talk about okay, it. Okay, and I'm gonna be at the games this week. So let's go, let's go, let's we'll, go. We'll hang let's uh, ditch us again. All right, so Tonight's a game against Boston. Obviously, Boston, one of, if not the best team in the league. Um, it's a national TV game. This is where the narratives are help mm. formed mm-hmm. of games like this. Uh, so I'll be curious to see what happens. Mavs go out. They they, they beat Boston in Boston. Luka has a massive game. That helps start shaping narratives. What if the Mavs win and Luka only scores like 18? That doesn't help narratives. No. Even if they win? <laughs> no, yeah, it, it would. I thought I'm, you have to win games. I'm just saying, like, we, we know how much the narrative storylines impact MVP. And with this being, you know, such a good team in Boston, in Boston, on national TV, more eyes are going to be watching it. It's inevitable. Um, yeah, it's just a little extra in this game. I'll, say, then, I'll oh. say that a win matters more than if he scores 40-plus points tonight. Because, oh, yeah? like, yeah, you're leading your team on the road to a win against the Celtics who have only lost three times at home all season. Oh, really? And like we That's... everyone knows the numbers that Luka can put up. So I would say a win is just as even more important. Porzingis. They've only lost three home games. Yeah, I think what are they? 27 and they 3. They could have had a third All-Star in Derek White. They could they should have. Uh and then of course Sunday a noon game also on national TV. So I mean yeah. you want to talk about narratives. Boy, if Luka does if they can get a win tonight and on Sunday, and that's a again a noon tip off on Sunday. Now, one other thing about tonight's game, of course, tip off is probably seconds away by the time you're listening to this. Uh, it is going to be broadcast on WFAA if you're Let's in go. Dallas. Um, Ten games between now and the end of the season will be broadcast on WFAA, um, including the game on Sunday. Of course, that's a national TV game, but the local telecast will be on WFAA. That is Channel Eight in Dallas tonight. That is over the air, accessible to everyone in the Metroplex. It is also available in Spanish on Unamas if you want to watch uh, our guy Victor Villalba from Somos Mavs Call Games in Spanish for Let's the first go. time the Mavs are go broadcasting. Victor. And it's a unique Victor. broadcast. It's not just like the same thing that they're showing you on Channel 8 that they're then speaking in Spanish over. No, it is like a unique presentation, unique broadcast. So um, got a lot more options to view the team between now and the end of the year too, which is really cool. And really important for our fans, you know, nationally, whatever, internationally, but especially locally, like, we need to be able to watch our team. So it's, it's a really good thing that we're doing. Yep. All right. We just solved basketball. We talked about wins. We talked about losses. We talked about duos. And we talked about birthdays. This was fun. I love when Bobby lands the plane at the end. It's, my favorite, it's one of my favorite things Bobby does. We're not there yet. All right? The ground is in sight, but we still got a touchdown, baby. All right. For Cat and Chopper. Off screen, hey, thank y'all. For Isaac, for Austin, on screen, thank y'all. Thank you. Uh, for y'all watching, listening, wherever you are in the world, thank you for spending uh, a little time hanging out with us here in Studio 41. This is The Corner 3, and we'll be back with you next week. Bye.